Today we celebrate Mother's Day. What a fantastic thing that is to do because God himself compares his own love for his people to that of a mother's love for her child. And that's the purest form that we see here on this earth. His sermon as we celebrate Mother's Day was originally recorded at Castle Rock Middle School, May 11, 2014. Name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you got here a little bit late, we're just explaining. If you are a mother and you are here and you don't have a flower, it looks like we have about uh, 30 flowers left. If you'd like to bring one home, just to remember your own kids, who would no doubt, if they were here, would have given it to you. Please take a flower. I'll put them in the back, just so you don't have to feel like you have to come all the way up, and you don't have to do it right now. So we, uh, happy Mother's Day, which is a big thing. We are in the midst of a sermon series in the book of Matthew, and we're just about done. we got one more week which we're going to do, and I was going to squeeze it into this week, and I thought we could make this a sermon series. So we're going to be talking about a mother's love today, and then really a mother's responsibility, and what God expects of us as parents, and even as human beings, what kind of foundation we should be laying. So we're going to talk about that next week for our last session in the book of Matthew. I'm just saying that. We'll just keep this going until, uh, until Jesus comes as long as Jesus comes next week. So that'll be perfect. So we are, uh, we're happy Mother's Day. This is really exciting. We're going to be talking about a mother's love. What is it about a mother's love that makes it so amazing? It's, it, I guess uh, there's a difference between a mother's love, and I think, and a father's love. And if you, uh, if you have kids, you understand this. And mothers have this sense that their kids go to them all the time. Have you experienced that? Mothers are usually the one. If you come up with the purest picture of love, it would probably be something like this. This is not one of the babies uh, that we just had. We had three babies in three days, which is uh, three is the collective we. Uh, we had three babies at our church in three days. But doesn't it seem like the most content human being? Just perfect, and they're crying. Babies are never loved more than when they're sleeping, right? And, and you know how this works. And if you've had kids... It's this beautiful thing, and Amy and I would, um, the babies, we'd put them in a different room. We're like, okay, we need some rest. We've got to train them up, and then we'd sleep. And what's the order that a baby would yell? Do they yell dad first or mom? They yell mom. I mean, my own kids did this. So they're in the crib, and Patriot were trying to train her, and we're like, okay, we, got, we can't just keep getting up. So we just hear this, dad, mama, mama, and this lasts for a while because she can't believe, like, the system is broken at this point. And then it goes to dad, like, dada, dad. And then that lasted about a minute, so that tells you the, the trust she had. And then it went, Bella! Bella! And Bella actually got up, and like, I don't know how Bella would have been, like five, and like wrestled her out, and Bella was two? This doesn't sound safe. Never mind, Bella did not take her out of the crib. <laughs> so if you need a babysitter, I have one that's a very nurturing babysitter. So th- this is kind of how it works, and I would never, in any circumstance, recon- uh, recommend to a father that you would make any attempt to tally how often your child goes to the mother rather than to you. Because this would just become embarrassing at some point. The only reason kids ever come to their father is if they're scared, which is an important thing. If you're a new dad or something like that, if you're a dad, you have to teach danger is fun, and you have to take them to semi-scary movies. Because without, like, the dark, creepy guys with mustaches and uh, scary movies, would your kid ever go to you? Like, if they have an option, like, they skin their knee, do they, they, and they have this option... Where do they go? My own kids, they like sneak into bed and, they, and I can still feel Owen's arm. It kind of goes like this and then he feels the beard and then he goes over to the other side. <laughs> now, I don't blame them. I would rather snuggle with my wife than I would rather snuggle with myself. So, I mean, this makes some sense. But there's this, there's this intrinsic love that mothers have for their babies that, that's beyond the love even a father has. And we're going to talk about a few of the stories that we have in Scripture about mothers and that kind of love that they have. 
And then we're going to ultimately come back to the kind of love that our Father has. So a few stories that we're going to look at. One is Hannah. If you know Hannah, does anyone know Hannah in the Bible? So Hannah's Old Testament, and she is longing to have a baby. And this is not a sermon on uh, relationships, because there may be two wives involved in this relationship. So Elkanah has two wives. One is Penina, who has all kinds of kids. And then there's Hannah. Hannah has no kids. And where we pick it up, and she, this is getting bitter, and this is actually getting very difficult, and they would make this big journey with the whole family, and then you can just imagine Hannah walking by herself. And this is where it picks up. This is in uh, 1 Samuel. It says, This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? And what's the answer? No. There is something about, um, as human beings, to be complete, we need to be loved. That's essential. We need to be loved. We have to have some kind of outside love, and there's studies with babies and the whole thing, but we need to have this sense that someone loves us, something loves us, but to be fully complete, you have to love someone or something else. And in Hannah, in these words, is saying, I know I'm loved by you, but you know what? I want to love like a mother is meant to love. I want to love in this way that it doesn't even seem normal. And she, so once she had finished eating and drinking in Siloah, Hannah stood up. Eli's the priest at the time, in his chair at the doorpost of the Lord's house, and in her deep anguish, it says, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she says essentially this, Lord, do, do not forget me. Remember me. She wants to feel complete. You can imagine a little bit now, I mean, sometimes Sarah in the Old Testament, this is Abraham's wife, gets kind of thrown under the bus because she's so bitter. She's 89 years old, and the Lord comes to her and says, you're going to have a baby, and she laughs and says, like, whatever. She thinks this is utterly ridiculous. And then a year later, she's holding this baby in her arms. Remember, she is loved, no doubt, by Abraham. She's loved by the Lord, but now she gets to hold in her own arms this baby. She's 90 years old. These aren't the, the strong, tanned arms and beautiful ones that we saw in this picture. This is a 90-year-old woman. Sunspots, right? If you ever have a grandma, I used to pull on my grandma's skin like this, and I was fascinated because it would go down so slowly. And she let me do this for too long, actually. <laughs> I would just do that. And she's 95 now, and if I still go there, I still think, oh, I used to do that. So you got these sunspots. And if you just had a baby, and you have a great-grandmother who's 90 years old, and she says, I want to hold that baby. Would you let her? The answer is, of course I would, because this is the greatest picture ever. you got these multiple generations. But would you be spotting? If it was your first child, you'd kind of do this, and you'd be like, hey, Grandma, and you'd be holding it. You'd have it in such a way. They're in a chair. What if your grandma said, hey, I want to walk around with your child? You know, Grandma, you actually fell last week. You know, I don't know if this is a great idea, or if you fall, make sure you fall this way. You know, that, then it sounds bad, right? This woman is now 90 years old, and she gets to hold in her arms, and this is what she says. God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears this will laugh with me. In other words, I now have complete joy. I have been loved, and I get to love a baby. And I get to love something unbelievable. That son's name is Isaac. He has a son uh, named Jacob, Isaac and Jacob. It's not the greatest situation. I'll, Rebecca's the first helicopter mom I think we have as she tries to control things. And Jacob and Esau, and the blessing goes with Jacob. Well, Jacob has 12 sons. 
And one of those sons' name is uh, Levi. So he's got all these sons. One of those sons is Levi. One of those great, great, whatever it is, granddaughters is now in the country of Egypt. And she, how exciting it would be to give birth. Can you imagine how excited? The wits, I mean, there's exclamation points in their, their posts. They're so excited. What happens, though, if you had a baby in a country that commits genocide? You, you talk about, like, it, I look back and think, I cannot imagine raising my kids and having a brand new baby, A, because I'm old, and B, because it, it's just a much more difficult generation, isn't it? You look back, if you're maybe, it, your kids are now out of the house, can you imagine now having a brand new baby in this world? where I just saw sexting as the new courting. I read an article. It's like, are you kidding me? You read about the pain and the suffering and the entertainment that's going out there. You're like, how in the world are they going to do that? But now imagine having a child where the guy in charge says, I want to kill all the baby boys, and that baby that you're holding in your arms is a boy. And she finally gets to show this love. I mean, she's got other kids, and she's showing this love to this child, and she comes up with this plan. I am going to love this baby and I am not going to give them up until, you know, other people start to figure this out, which how long would that last? How long would it take for someone to figure out you have a baby in your house when your house is like, like as big as the chairs here? I think, let's just carry the one, I think 15 minutes, right? So this 15, I'm making the age up, but 15-minute-year-old baby, she sends him in the river, and you know the story. He goes down the river, and the princess, the daughter of this genocidal king, finds her, and it's this awesome thing. We're always excited in Sunday school. We're like, okay, Moses got to be with his mother. And this is so cool, right? It's like three or four years, and the baby's growing up. And how exciting he gets to wean them, and it's really awesome. But then there comes a day where she has to say, now you go out of my house, and you go to go live with this genocidal king. Doesn't your heart just break when you think about it? Yeah, she had those moments, but doesn't your heart break to think there's a day where that boy walked out of the house and was not coming back home. Hannah had the same deal. She said, Lord, you have forgotten me, and I think you know she has Samuel. What did she promise? She says, Lord, if you give me a son, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to devote him to the Lord. He's never going to cut his hair. He's going to go. So Eli is the place he goes to. There's a section in Scripture right soon after Hannah's prayer. It says, Eli's wicked sons. Now, how would you feel? How would you feel if you had to give up your son, or the only son you've got, and you have to go take him over to a home where there's a section in Scripture known as Eli's wicked sons. Like, everybody knew these guys were just retrobates, and they're just awful, and they were just um, terrible before the Lord. How would you feel about that? So she hands him over. She walks, and there's a day she says goodbye. There's a phrase, um, a mother holds her child's hands for a while, and their hearts forever. Some of you have had a privilege to do that for 18 years, which is pretty awesome. Sometimes it's just two or three five or six or seven. What makes mother's love so special? Uh, Washington Irving says, a father may turn his back on his child. Brothers and sisters may become, um, I actually practice saying this word. I still can't say it. So we're going to become enemies. Uh, husbands may desert their wives and wives their husbands. Uh, don't judge me just because I can't say that word. I thought it was made up until I looked it up. It is. Uh, but a mother's love endures through all. In the face of the world's condemnation, a mother still loves on and still hopes that her child may turn from his evil ways and repent. Still, she remembers the infant smiles that once filled his childhood, the opening promise of his youth, and she can never be brought to think of him all unworthy. Isn't that true? I mean, like, what makes mothers so special? I just I got to hang out with a friend. So we went to the Hunsaker, uh, Joe Hunsaker, um, 
what do you call that, fundraiser, the gala. They had like 500 people. It was utterly amazing. They raised at least $50,000. Do we have a number on it? I would say it's at least 50. I was doing some math in my head, thinking this is pretty cool. And so I run into a friend of mine. He's got three boys. So he's showing me his three boys, and they're pretty athletic kids. They all play lacrosse, and one plays um, JV, the other two varsity. And so in the midst, I mean, I don't talk to him that often. In the midst of the story, he says, yeah, this was the coolest. He wasn't going to talk about his son who's going to go play in college. He said, this is the coolest. The coach actually put my two boys in, and he let my other son get in there, so all three were on the field at the same time. And he was so excited. He's like, you know what, my dad, if my dad could have seen that, that would have been so awesome. Because what? A dad would be proud of his son who had produced three sons who achieved. Dads love that. Dads are so proud of their sons. Dads, dads love that kind of thing. Your boss loves it when you're killing it at work. Your coworkers like that. Your teammates like that. What happens, though, when your life starts to tumble down? Then what? Would the dad be just as proud as he said, Not, these three guys were on the sideline, they weren't good enough to play, and I was so touched. There they are, the three names right in a row. Would he have told me the story? Would his mom have told the story? Yeah. There's an anecdote, and I think it's probably closer to an anecdote than reality. I tried to look it up on Snoops, and I couldn't find it, but I've told it to you before with the greeting cards. Greeting card company sends these greeting cards to a prison, on Mother's Day, and they thought they had extras, they sent them in, all the cards are gone. They're utter, super popular, all the prisoners. Right? So you just think of the lowest point in their life, just you picture these guys with tattoos writing a note to their mom. They thought this was so cool, they did it again for Father's Day. And they say nobody showed up. <laughs> this is anecdotal again, but you know, the busiest day in the whole year for the phone company. Now, if any of you still have a phone, I have to ask you, but back in the day, what's the busiest day, of course, is Mother's Day. How busy is Father's Day? just like every other one. Now, those are anecdotal, but do you think there is something to say there's, there's a difference between a mother's love and a father's love? And a father loves their kids, there's no doubt, up to a point. Like, they love their kids when they achieve. They love their kids when they can do stuff. When you have this brand new baby, what's the first thought in my mind? My, my wife just wanted to hold them and snuggle and smell them, and I thought, man, at six months, I bet they can crawl and we can do something, right? This is how excited I was, and it's just a different thing i got to fix this here. What is happening to me? If something falls off me. You guys might be embarrassed to me, and so is my wife, but my mom is proud. <laughs> right, so it's a different thing. So then we get into Scripture. So the question really is this. The best kind of love, would we, would we have any doubts that the best love that we've got is the love of a mother for their child? Would anyone argue that? So the question is, can that mother's love ever fail? And, and this is where it really hits home. It, it, this, when you're really down in the dumps, and they usually say, I live in my parents' basement, but you know it's your mom's basement, and you're in the lousiest things, you're feeling depressed, and you look in the mirror and you think, am I worth something? You think, who would I make that phone call to to say, do you love me? And who would you know you would get the response that says, I do? There's times in my life that if I made a phone call, I'm not sure my dad would respond, I love you. I don't think my dad said he loved you verbally. And he, I got a good dad. You know, I got a good dad. I'm not in prison that I know of. But I'm like 20, and my mom must have really said, like, you know, it's not too much longer, Dennis. You got to start saying you, I love you to the kids. So then on a phone call one time, he's like, yep, love you. 
you know, I try to record it. You know, this is so awesome. And I could just repeat that because there's going to be a time where my life is maybe in a situation that I could call and say, Dad, do you love me? And there'd probably be a long pause. But there's never a day in my whole mind that I have any doubt I could call my mom and say, Mom, do you love me? Even though all this is going to pot, she would say, I love you. But even that love goes so far. Think on a national level. How many babies never get to get the breath of life because their mother didn't want to deliver it? How many babies are born addicted to things because and it's not even their fault because of their mother? How many babies are there that, um, that are born small and, and weak and frail because their mother couldn't take nine months off to stop drinking or smoking or their addiction? How good is the mother's love then? You think back in your life, I mean, we have all these fond memories of our mother, but it, did your mother love you all the time? Was it always roses? I mean, did, did, was it all the time that you sensed this love for your mother? Now, as a mother, how did you feel when we read uh, Proverbs 31, the most guilt-ridden section in all of Scripture? Right, like, here's a wife of noble character. She makes the money, the dad just chills out at the elders, she's trade, she buys land with her own money, her kids all call her blessed, because that happens to all of us, Right? Morning, Mom. You are blessed, Mother. And it says the husband comes in, right? And what does he say? Like, oh, if all the ladies were like you. You're like the dew on my beard that is so wonderful. It's like, that's not quite how it always functions. And the question is this. If a mother's love can fail, can God's love fail? And there's plenty of people that have thought that. Hannah felt that way, didn't she? She said, God, you have forsaken me. God, don't forget me. The people of Israel at a time felt like God was going to forget them. Isaiah's telling them, shout for joy, you heavens, rejoice, you earth, burst into song, you mountains, for the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. But Zion, that's God's people, said, the Lord has forsaken me, the Lord has forgotten me. God says, I know this. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born, as much as we want to say that's totally impossible, every one of us knows that it's not. And God says, this is what I want you to know. If you want to be complete, if you want to know that you are loved, you're not going to find perfect love from your husband. You're not going to find perfect love from your wife. You're not going to find perfect love from your kids. You're not going to find perfect love from your mother. But I want to tell you something. No matter where you are, no matter where your situation she may forget, I'm not going to forget you. I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. And if you have ever wondered if I love you, God says, tell you what, while you were still sinners, I love you. While you were still sinners, I died for you. There's proof right there. God didn't say when you achieve, when you're good enough, when you're decent, when you're quality, then I love you. God says, while you were the lowest of lows, that's when I love you. And you know what? I engraved your name on my hand, and I'm never going to forget you. There's a few times where God says he's like a mother. The other time is he says, like a, like a hen wants to gather her chicks. That's what I want to do with you. You are God's people. He wants you to have a relationship with him. He wants to gather you in, and he wants you to feel so loved. He wants you to be so filled with love. And you say, God, I can't do it because I'm not good enough. And the only time God talks about forgetting is in Hebrews. He says, I forgive their wickedness, and I remember their sins no more. Because God remembered Christ, because God remembered Christ, he remembers you, and he never, ever wants to forget you. So how do you complete your life? Your life's not complete just being filled up with love. That's where your value is, but your life is not complete until you get a chance to show that love. 
And so this Mother's Day, maybe you've had issues with your mother. Maybe it's time for a phone call to say thank you for the things you did do. This Mother's Day, you get a chance to love your own kids. And when you want to go and pull out your hair and, and hide in a closet and just eat a candy bar to yourself because you don't want to share, say, God, thank you for pouring your love in me so I can pour my love on you. Next week, uh, next week in forgiveness, we get to talk about what that foundation looks like. So it's a two-part thing we're going to talk about. Being a parent, I'm excited about it. I hope you're excited about it because you are part of God's family and he has engraved your name on his hands. Amen.